0: Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. My name is Heidi, and I'm thrilled to be back for another episode talking about one of my favorite things in the world, language learning. Last week, I talked about the importance of joyful bonding with your languages, especially forging positive bonds and associations from the beginning of your language journey, or as early as possible if you're already in the middle of your journey. I talked about how the associations we make, whether positive or negative, affect how we interact with our languages for a very long time, possibly forever, I suspect. My early days with Italian were marked by pressure, self-doubt, and internal criticism, always thinking the struggle is too hard, I can't really do this thing. And the result is that years later, I still get nervous and never feel prepared enough to speak Italian. I still feel a strong pull to use Google Translate because this underlying belief that I can't do it on my own was at the foundation of the start of my learning. By the time I started learning German, though, I was able to begin my journey with confidence and positivity. My German experience has been marked with a focus on ability, success, and belief in myself, and the result so far is that I feel good jumping into German conversations and never feel nervous or feel the need to use a translation app. So, if you haven't already, go back and listen to last week's episode if you want to hear more details about this very stark difference between my journey with Italian and my journey with German. Because today, I want to go a little bit deeper into the how-to of forging a joyful bond with your languages, and I want to focus on how we talk to ourselves. And because this is a language learning podcast, you may think that I'm talking about speaking to ourselves in the languages we're learning. While that's something I highly recommend doing, it's not what I'm going for today. Today, I'm stressing the importance and value of our inner voice, our core beliefs, and what we say, either quietly or out loud, to ourselves. Let's start with some of the myths surrounding language learning. I'm sure many of you have believed at least one of these statements at some point in your life. Things like, children learn languages easier than adults. I'm too old to learn a language. Immersion would make me fluent. I'm not talented at language learning. I'm not gifted in that area. Language learning is hard, and it takes hours of classroom, textbook, and flashcard time every day in order to become fluent. I can't say that I speak a language until I'm completely fluent. I could go on and on, but you get the point, right? As someone who pretty much only crossed paths with other languages in school as a teenager, I easily believed every single one of these for years. Each of these statements and more became my core beliefs about language learning, Even as I defied these beliefs, just by choosing to start learning Italian at age 33, I still believed these statements so deeply that I was my biggest obstacle to reaching my goals. And it took me years to even see and understand this. Even as I took courses, learned vocabulary and grammar, started speaking the language, even as these things existed in my reality, I still had an internal critic telling me that I'm too old to succeed. And I believed it which led to confirmation bias. I believed I was too old to learn a language, and all around me I saw young people, like my children, picking up Italian quickly just from engaging with it at preschool, but I didn't see my own progress alongside them. I believed I wasn't a language person, and I saw all the mistakes I made, the difficulty with which I recalled words, and this seemed to confirm that languages weren't my strong suit. I believed language learning was hard and required hours of dedicated time. And I saw how little I learned in 10 to 15 minute chunks, never seeing them as something learned in a short amount of time, rather always focused on how much more I could learn if only I had five hours a day to study. Confirmation of these core beliefs, proof that the things I believed were true, was all around me. I saw the mistakes I made as proof of not being a language person. I saw other linguists, multilinguals, polyglots as superior. They're language people, so they have it easier. I saw everything I had yet to learn, and I saw all the time I didn't have to sit and study it. And I often spoke these beliefs out loud, which really just amplified them. Sometimes I would speak it as justification for why I wasn't reaching my goals as fast as I wanted to, even though they were highly unrealistic goals, I spoke these beliefs sometimes as a protection mechanism to try and protect myself against judgment or embarrassment. When friends asked me if I'm learning Italian, for example, I would often say something like, oh yeah, just a little bit, but it just takes so much time to become fluent. Or I would list all the other things I had going on, graduate school, young kids to support and raise, travel plans to make, just to show that I didn't have enough time to fit in serious study, which is why I wasn't better at speaking yet. It was like I was saying, see, look, I have good reasons for my failures. Or when other expats talked about not learning the language, how they tried, but it was too hard, I often felt very vulnerable, like I would be judged for trying to work against this struggle. So some form of, yeah, it's really hard, would come out of my mouth. I felt like an imposter calling myself a language learner, like any moment someone would call me out or point out that I'm not really learning like I should or in the right way, so I can't claim this identity of a language learner. And like I said, even though I was really learning the language, using it daily as I interacted with the native speakers in our community, I was still bound by the beliefs that I couldn't do it, and I upheld these beliefs by giving them the power of my words and thoughts. Now, I can't say for sure what it was that brought me out of this negative, self-destructive thought pattern, but one key thing that definitely made a difference was finding the right resources for how to learn a language. I spent so much time trying to find the perfect language resource and beating myself up when that thing didn't make me fluent or when I didn't have time to work it in the way I thought it was supposed to be done that I hadn't found my footing for how to do the learning itself. Soon after accepting the fact that I had no idea what I was doing, I discovered Lindsay Williams' successful self study course, which is available on her website, lindsaydoeslanguages.com, and I also found Kirsten Cable's podcast, The Fluent Show. And as I worked through the wisdom that these two women shared, I started to realize that these core beliefs I held about myself and about language learning in general were at the center of my success or failure. They were normal, but they would also continue holding me back if I didn't challenge them. I had to confront these beliefs and start seeing the proof that they weren't true. And the only way I could imagine doing that was to start with my words. And in order to do this, I had to actually start paying attention to my thought and spoken words. So how can we do this? Sometimes this mindfulness starts with noticing how we feel. Am I sad, angry, uptight, stressed? What was I thinking when my mood changed? What happened and what thoughts went through my head? For example, one time a couple years ago, my son's teacher at the Scuola Materna was asking me to sign up for a parent-teacher conference slot, and I was trying to tell her that I needed to wait until I could confirm a time with the translator, but I couldn't remember the word for translator or even for the verb to translate, and in the moment, I froze. I froze. The teacher didn't understand what I was trying to say, and she became clearly frustrated because now I was holding up the line of parents waiting to drop off their kids, so I just signed up for a time slot and hoped for the best. As I walked away from that conversation, I felt completely deflated, and I held back tears until I turned the corner and found a moment of solitude. And of course, one minute later, I remembered the words that had left me frozen, and then I felt even worse. My chest started to get tight, my hands were shaking, tears were streaming down my face. And in a split second, I became aware of these physical feelings. Of course, I felt them, but there was a slight shift as my mind seemed to tell me to pay attention. The physical feelings signified the emotional feelings, and paying attention to this gave me just enough space to grasp hold of the negative thoughts swirling around in my head. I've been here for three years, why am I not fluent yet? How embarrassing. Why did I ever think I could learn this language? You really are failing at this. One forgotten word and the core beliefs I held about my language abilities and progress were shattered, and my inner voice took over, then manifesting itself physically in my entire body. And paying attention to how I felt, to the physical stress and emotions in that moment, was all I needed to recognize the negative thoughts and stop them in their tracks. By the time I got home a few minutes later, I had stopped the negative voice of my core beliefs, and I chose to look at the conversation from a different perspective. Yes, I had forgotten a very important word, and I froze, unable to find a workaround to what I was trying to say, and the teacher became frustrated with me. But what else happened? I had completely understood her when she asked me about the parent-teacher conferences and what time would be best for me. I had started a response, I had spoken comprehensible Italian up to the point of freezing, and even moments later, I had remembered the words for translator and to translate. I hadn't completely forgotten them, and that was a relief. Confirmation bias had led me to see only the one mistake I made as proof of not learning the language. But replaying the situation objectively in my head, I saw proof that I was learning the language. It was the same incident. The same conversational mistake, but I allowed a different headspace for seeing the event. So paying attention to my feelings, both physical and emotional, allowed me to notice the negative words I was speaking to myself, stop them, and find a way to see the situation from a different point of view. Since then, I've had numerous situations like this in my language journeys, and another tool I've used to separate myself and my identity from those negative words is to give that voice a name. This is something I learned early on in sobriety, that giving a name to that pesky voice that tells me I want a drink, I deserve a drink, one drink won't hurt. Giving this voice a name allows me to disassociate myself from those destructive neural pathways and forge a new liberated mentality. In sobriety, I named that voice Malfoy. As a Harry Potter fan, I loved being able to shut down that voice by saying, shut it Malfoy and purposefully move out of that harmful headspace. That negative voice is the same in all areas of my life, so I kept the name Malfoy for my negative language voice as well. When I notice myself speaking unkindly to myself about my language learning or about me as a language learner, I can say, shut it, Malfoy, and give myself just enough space to change my mental pathway. So, noticing the negative things we say to ourselves And then giving that voice a name are two steps we can take at any time to change the words we're speaking to ourselves. And there's one more important thing that I've done to work against the deceptive core beliefs and pessimistic words I spoke to myself for so long, and that is to actively speak positive truths to myself. Recognizing the words we speak and then giving that voice a name will help sever the ties between our false core beliefs and our affirmative realities. But then we have to work to replace those words and beliefs with something else, something constructive, something positive, and something believable. In episode three, I talked about removing should statements from my life. Instead of saying I should be studying this or I shouldn't be making so many mistakes or whatever, instead of that, I talked about removing the should mentality and finding believable alternatives. And this applies here with our core beliefs as well. When the thought that I'm too old to learn a language comes up, which even now is pretty often because I'm still getting older, when that thought comes up, I recognize it, usually because I start feeling inferior. I tell Malfoy to shut it. I don't wanna listen to his nonsense. And then I tell myself a truth, a truth that is believable to me. Yes, I am learning languages for the first time in my 30s. That's true. But I am learning languages. I can speak Italian better Each year, I can understand German in a way I never imagined possible. Every single time I read an article, listen to a podcast, or have conversations in these languages, I'm proving that my age has nothing to do with my ability. And I have the privilege of seeing my children acquire languages in school, and I can appreciate that it isn't easier for them. It's just different. Their lack of concern for making mistakes makes them less shy to speak, for example. But my advanced knowledge of English vocabulary and grammar allows me to make more connections faster, giving me a broader understanding of our new languages. Their age doesn't give them an advantage, and mine is not a disadvantage. It's just different. And that's a truth that I can believe, and I can speak it to myself. When I think I'm not talented at learning languages, maybe because I hoped to be further than I am now, or I struggle to understand certain grammar structures or something, I do the same thing. I recognize the negative words I'm saying to myself, usually through feelings of vulnerable inferiority. I tell Malfoy to shut it, and I consider a believable truth. The fact is, I'm a mathematician by education and passion. I love math because it's a puzzle, and discovering all the pieces and putting them together to find a solution just makes sense to me. Now, because my education consisted of math being STEM— Part of the sciences, and language being considered part of the arts and humanities, I always got the subtle message that languages weren't for me because I'm a science person, not an arts and humanities person. But languages are puzzles. Words are the numbers, and grammar is the formula, and putting the pieces together to solve the solution of what I want to communicate is joyful. I get the same excited feeling constructing a sentence in my learned languages as I do solving a complex differential equation. So I don't have to be one or the other, a math person or a language person. Another type of person I identify as is an introvert. And the stereotype of an introvert is that we don't talk much or we don't want to talk much. We aren't into socializing or find it difficult to make friends. And the fact is, I crave connection. I need close friends in my life. And living in a foreign country, that's a lot easier to do when you speak some of the local language. So as my good friend Emily Richardson of Tea with Emily says, I'm a whole person. Being a language person or not isn't an entire identity. I can be a math person and a language person. I can be an introvert and crave the connection that languages provide. I was even a monolingual for years and still loved languages. I was intrigued by them. I felt a pull toward them. I just didn't know how to approach them. So these are the things I tell myself when I catch myself saying or thinking I'm not a language person. I am a person, a complex, curious, intelligent person who is allowed to have many passions and interests, be good at them at whatever level is fun and pleasing to me, and claim whatever type of person I truly believe I am. And that's a truth I can believe as I speak it to myself. So to recap, we have to pay attention to the words we speak out loud or in our heads, to ourselves or to others, about ourselves and about our languages. If we talk about being too old, we're going to feel too old. If we say that language learning is hard, it's going to seem hard. If we say we aren't good at languages, then we'll see all the ways we mess up. So paying attention to the words we speak by noticing our feelings, giving that negative voice a name and calling it out in the moment, and then replacing the damaging thoughts with positive, believable words can have a huge impact on our entire language life and our entire lives in general. Speaking positivity to and about ourselves changes how we see ourselves. It builds confidence, it highlights our successes, our wins, and it propels us in a direction of progress with a growth mindset. So I want you to try it this week try noticing your thoughts and spoken words about yourself as a language learner. And this applies to everyone. Every language learner at every level forgets a word, for example. Heck, I still forget words in my native language. And it's easy to speak a quick word of self-judgment or disapproval in those moments. No matter our language level or how long we've been doing it, there's always someone out there who speaks more languages than us or learns faster than us And it's easy to think negatively about our own journeys, wishing we had more languages or learned them faster with more ease. Grab hold of these thoughts and remind yourself that you're doing it. You're doing great. You're making progress and you can celebrate that. So that's the end of my words for today. As always, I hope something I've said speaks to you and gets you thinking about the positive words that you can say to yourself every single day. I really hope you have a wonderful and very positive week. And until next time, ciao.